Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our I Believe God Sermon Series. We hope that this message will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. We're going to come to Luke chapter number 8, and we're going to learn how, how jealousy how jealousy can affect our faith in a negative way. And we're going to be challenged today with just this simple thought of never allowing a jealous heart to cripple our faith. It'd be a help to us. Let's stand Luke chapter 8 this morning. Luke chapter 8, and we're going to read verse number 40 down through verse number 56 in our passage, Luke 8 and verse 40. And we read these words. And it came to pass that when Jesus was returned... All right, pause real quick. Jesus has just preached the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, He's been out in the hills by Capernaum. And so when it says that he's returned, he's coming from the hills into Capernaum. So he's coming uh, really just right around the Sea of Galilee. He probably would have been uh, maybe on the northeastern part of Galilee, and he's just wrapping right, right back around to where Capernaum would be situated right there on the western seaboard of the Sea of Galilee. So that's where he's returning to. It says, the people gladly received him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, uh, there came a man named Jairus, He was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come into his house, for he had only one daughter. Jairus only had one daughter. She was about 12 years of age, and she lay a-dying. But as he went, the people thronged him. And a woman, having an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him, talking about Jesus, and touched the border of his garment. And immediately her issue of blood stanched or stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude thronged thee and pressed thee. They come up, they're, they're all, they're surrounding us and sayest thou who touched me? And Jesus said, somebody hath touched me for I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling. And falling down before him, she declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said unto her, Daughter, be of good cheer. Be of, or excuse me, be of comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. While he yet spake, there cometh one from the ruler of the synagogue's house. So Jairus' house, now a servant is coming to meet Jairus, Jesus, this group of people. And the servant said to him, to Jairus, thy daughter is dead. Trouble not the master. But when Jairus heard it, he answered him, or excuse me, when Jesus heard it, he, Jesus, answered him, Jairus, saying, fear not. Believe only, and she shall be made whole. And when he came into the house, he, Jesus, suffered no man to go in, save Peter and James and John, the father and the mother of the maiden, and all wept and bewailed her. But he, Jesus, said, Weep not, she is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. Uh, This would be a group of bewailers. We'll talk about this in a second. They left him to scorn, knowing that she was dead. And he put them all out, except for Peter, James, John, and the parents, 
took her by the hand and called, saying, Maid, arise. And her spirit came again, and she arose straightway. And he commanded to give her meat, and her parents were astonished. But he charged them that they should tell no man what was done. It's an incredible story in Luke chapter number 8, recounting the story of Jairus, the woman with the issue of blood, and of Jesus. What I see in this story is a temptation, a temptation for Jairus to be filled with jealousy, but instead the Lord challenges to continue in faith. And that's the same challenge we're going to face this morning. And so let's pray with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let's just ask the Lord to speak to us this morning. Let's ask the Lord to speak to us. You can pray something simple of, God, please speak to me. God, please speak to me. And then make the commitment that you're listening to him, and if he speaks to you, that you're going to respond to him today. Dear Lord, thank you again for the word of God. Thank you for how you use it to shape our faith, how you use it to show us the relationship that you want to have with us, And God, how you can use it to strengthen us. And so, Lord, I pray that today you would meet with us, that you'd help us, and that your word would have its impact that you desire with your spirit in our lives. We love you. We thank you for your love. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You go ahead and be seated. As we start this morning, just want to ask you if you can remember, maybe uh, from your early days, your younger days, for some of you, might be a little further back than others. And I'm not going to mention any names, Dolores or Helen, but um, <laughs> others, I'm just teasing. Uh, you know what? We, we can probably remember further back, some of us, but how many of you would think that you could probably remember, we're not going to share them, but that you could probably remember the first time you think you dealt with jealousy? Anybody say, you know, I think I could remember that far back. I probably, probably can't. There might be a few of us. Oh, you know, I think I could. I bet you if we all kind of stopped and really thought about it, every one of us could probably think back to the first time in our life when we dealt with the spirit of jealousy. You know when it probably was? It probably was around Christmas time. Maybe it was around Christmas time when you were maybe five or six and your friend or your brother or your sister or uh, uh, some, some family member that you knew, they got that bicycle. Or they got that new pair of roller skates. Or they got, for some of you, you know, maybe the neighbor next door, they got a radio in their house before you got one in yours. I know my dad's told me the story before of of fighting the jealousy when his friends got colored TV in their home before they even had a black and white TV. So how many of you remember that far back? All right, there's a few of you. All right, good, man. You know what? Every one of us, we could probably remember battling jealousy at an early age. Let me ask you a question, and you don't need to answer out loud, maybe just answer it in your own heart. With time, did that get better or worse? Worse, doesn't it? Man, with time, it gets worse, and so many people struggle with being jealous. Man, there's those we saw last week, right? Joseph's brothers envied him. They were jealous of him. But man, in our lives, we can probably look and see times when we've been jealous, maybe over a a coworker and their pay raise, or we've been jealous over somebody getting a new car or a new house, or we've been jealous over maybe 
God forbid, but we've, we're jealous over someone else's relationship or their marriage, or I wish my kids act like their kids, or I wish I had their job. I, you know, we just face and fight jealousy, don't we? And if we're honest, we face it a lot. But here's the sad truth is we don't just face it on a physical and on a substance level. I think oftentimes we can face it in our Christian faith. And this morning, what I want to do is I want to take this passage and I want to look at at a situation that could have turned into jealousy, but instead God used it to help someone have faith. I think you'll see and be challenged with some thoughts with me this morning, but as we begin, I just want to kind of jump into the passage and and I want want to understand this, that, well, I'll just give you this thought. This morning, we're going to be challenged to believe and follow God even when it seems like he's working in the life of someone else and not in mine. Because here's what we do. We can be jealous looking at what maybe God is doing in someone else's life, and we can think, why can't I be like that? Why can't, maybe I don't have enough faith. Why can't God bless my life like that? Why can't God bless my marriage like that? And we can have a a jealous spirit that overtakes us. And this morning we're gonna face and and be challenged with this thought of when it seems like he's not working in our lives, turning that into faith instead of jealousy. And I want you to see a few thoughts with me this morning. First of all, I wanna go to Jairus' life and I wanna talk about what I'm calling the idea. Jairus had an idea of what should happen in our passage. All right, let's just go and and let's read verse 40 through 42 again together. It says this, And it came to pass that when Jesus was returned, the people were gladly received him, for they were all uh, waiting for him. Behold, there was a man. His name was Jairus. So the story opens up about one man. His name is Jairus. Now this man in particular, the Bible tells us, of course, Jesus coming back into Capernaum or Capernaum. And so this man, Jairus, the Bible helps us understand that he's the ruler of the synagogue. These would be the ruler. This would be the uh, ruins of the Byzantine synagogue right there in in, uh, in. Uh, Capernaum and the city ruins right there. And so here's this man, Jairus. He's a religious man. Uh, If you were to go and do some research about him, Jairus would have people that looked up to him. He would have people that were students of his. Jairus would probably have uh, somewhat of of a position in the community because he's the leader of the synagogue. Jairus is a very wealthy man. Uh, Due to his position, we know that he probably had a lot of people that worked with him or alongside of him and, again, have that popularity. And you would probably, and I would, we'd meet Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue, and I mean, this is his, this would be his, his office, just the synagogue ruins, you know, right there that uh, Jairus would be in all of the time. We would probably describe him and say, well, he's probably well-liked, probably decently well-off, he's got these students, so we would say he's a successful man. But in spite of his successes, we find that he's in need of something. He's in need of trusting Christ. And so he comes to the Lord and he has some trust in the Lord. Well, what's his trust in the Lord over? His trust in God is over the issue that his daughter is dealing with. All right, jump back in. Let's go to verse 41. Let's see this together. 
Behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. He fell down at Jesus' feet. So he falls at Christ's feet and besought him or begs him that he would come into his house. Follow me to my house. Well, why would you want me to follow you? For or because he had only one daughter, about 12 years of age, and she lay a-dying. And as she went, the people thronged him. Or as he went, the people thronged him. So here's what the Bible tells us the story is taking place. The 12-year-old daughter, she's sick. She's at home, she's in bed, she's sick nigh unto death. Jairus comes, he travels probably to the ocean side, and you can go uh, right there in Capernaum, and I think I have a good picture of it, uh, not the ocean side, but the Sea of Galilee, you can see it right there in the distance. I mean, uh, right just 100 yards from where I took this picture would probably be where Jesus maybe met Jairus, and Jairus comes to him, and they fall down, Jairus falls on his face before the Lord and beseeches him, begs him, God, Christ, come to my house, my daughter's sick, would you please come? And the Bible tells us that Jairus gets up, and Jesus, verse, the end of verse 42, Jesus begins to walk to his house, and all the people are around him. Now, let's think about this just for a second. Put our minds in the minds of Jairus. Do you believe that Jairus probably had in his mind how this was going to play out? I, I do. I think that Jairus, Brother Craig, I think that Jairus probably had in his mind that, you know, I'm going to go to Jesus. I mean, Capernaum was where Jesus based out of, so his earthly ministry was based out of Capernaum and that northern region of the Sea of Galilee. And, and so Jairus was probably very familiar with Jesus. I, I think Jairus was already even a follower of Christ and a believer. And so Jairus has seen Jesus work in everybody else's life. And so I can see Jairus, but Isaac, I can see him kind of having it in his mind, right? I'm, I'm going to go to him. And as soon as I get to him, I'm just going to ask, you know, I'll fall before him. It's a worship, and, and I'm going to ask him to come to my house, and he's going to follow me, and, and I, I'm trusting that he's going to do something. He's going to follow me, come to my house. He, he's going to walk in, and I, I don't know, maybe walk in and put his hand on her forehead, and, and maybe he had been in other, other miracles that Jesus had done in the area, healing the blind, and he's seen him just put his hand on someone's head, and maybe that's in Jairus' mind. This is his idea. He kind of has it formulated how everything's going to work out. We do that, don't we? We're called maybe to a place of trust, and we kind of think, all right, God, all right, Lord, you've asked me to take this step of faith. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to that coworker about the Lord. And we kind of play out in our mind. Here's how the conversation's going to go. I'm going to ask them, well, do you know Christ as Savior? And, and they're going to reply to me, no, but I'd love to. <laughs> and I'm going to tell them, well, you just have to believe with your heart and confess with your mouth. And they're going to say, great, let's do it right now. <laughs> and we have this, you know, and I'm being a little sarcastic there, but we have this almost, uh, you know, in the clouds type dream of how faith is going to play out. You know, uh, uh, Brother Dustin taught on giving a few weeks ago. We sat upstairs, we had those split sessions, and Brother Dustin's lesson was on giving. All right, so Brother Dustin, you, you said it in your lesson that when I take a step of faith and I give, God's gonna bless it. And so, all right, Lord, you know, offering tray's coming around. I've got my offering. Lord, I'm gonna put this in, and I know I'm gonna get a check tomorrow. I mean, that's how faith plays out, right? 
let's be honest. Sometimes we have our own idea of how our faith, our trust in God should play out. Let's take it to a real situation. Your family member gets diagnosed. I remember when my dad got diagnosed with cancer. I remember that for the very first time this May. It'll be nine years. I've shared the story, but I remember sitting downstairs and, and uh, like many of you who have a loved one that's been diagnosed, and you can, you can just play back the very first time you remember of hearing about that. Of course, our, we, weren't, we were living in the basement. We had just started the church and the basement area where the kids' classes are now. That was our little apartment for six months. And I remember sitting in one of the, the rooms where our bedroom was, and I remember sitting on the edge of the bed at 6, 12 in the morning on a Sunday morning, weeping my eyes out. And I thought, all right, I'm just gonna have faith and pray. And we're gonna get a call next week that it's healed. You know, I mean, I've seen, I've heard God could do that. And I had this mindset, this idea of how it was gonna play out. I've told the story of my brother passing away. I think about that story. And my parents in that situation when my brother went into a coma and then really thinking, all right, I'm gonna, we have in our mind of how this is gonna play out. Let's be honest, we've all been there, haven't we? Oh, maybe it's not such an extreme situation. Maybe it's just a work situation or a relationship struggle or a small financial deal. But we have in our mind of, you know what? If I have this much faith, then I, I, I think this is how it's gonna play out. And we see here that Jairus, he's trusting Christ, but he's doing it based upon maybe his own idea. Now, again, he's trusting the Lord, but he has this idea of how things are probably gonna play out. We often have our own idea of what God is going to do and how he is going to do it. So I see an idea this morning, Jairus, he comes to the Lord and, and he comes in faith. We know that because of what Jesus says to him later. <clears throat> Jesus begins down this road with him. They're on their way to the house, but I want you to see secondly with, this, with me this morning an interruption. There's an interruption to his faith or to the way he thought things would play out. What's the interruption? Well, the word of God gives it for us. In verse number 43, it just says, a woman having an issue of blood. In the book of Mark, she's called a certain woman. That's what she's called. There's no name. We have no idea who she is. But this woman, she's there in this crowd. Now, let's think about this woman for just a moment. She's not a ruler. The Bible doesn't even give us her name, so she's probably, to Luke, who wrote this, she probably wasn't even known. To the disciples who influenced Peter, or excuse me, Peter, who influenced Mark to write the book of Mark, Mark didn't give us a name either, so Peter probably has no idea who she was. She's just a certain woman, and the Bible actually tells us that she's probably a broke woman, doesn't have any money. It says there, if you look, it says in verse number um, 43 that she had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any. Mark said it this way in Mark 5, 26, she had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. So she has no money, 
but she too has an issue. What's her issue? She's had this sickness for over 12 years. Some believe many different things about this sickness. I believe it was just a disease that she was experiencing. But nonetheless, she's had this for 12 years. You know, it's interesting. I didn't even see it until last night. I was putting all the slides together for Robert to add the backgrounds and how all that works. And I never even realized. How old was Jairus' daughter? 12 years. How long has she experienced this? 12 years. You know, nothing's really coincidence with God, is it? Here's both of them having an issue that it's affected. It's man, a 12-year-old daughter and a woman with this uh, disease for 12 years. And they're both at Christ. Two opposite ends of the spectrum, too. One's rich and has authority. One's poor and has nothing. One's known and people like him. One's unknown and people don't know her. And yet they're both called to trust. That's encouraging to me. You know Why? Because it reminds me that no matter who you are, rich, poor, known, unknown, uh, named, unnamed, noticed, unnoticed, we're all called to a place of just trust. That's where she is. That's where he is. Well, the story continues. What does she do? The whole crowd is there, and she touches the hem of his garment. The Bible says that as soon as she touched the hem of his garment, as soon as she touches the hem of his garment, they, she knows that she's healed. She touches him, and she knows she's been healed, and as soon as she touches him, she knows it. That's what she knew. It's, as soon as she touched him, she knew it's gone. I just know it miraculously. Man, what a miracle, huh? All right, wait, let's remember the story. Where's Jesus headed to right now? The house of Jairus, huh? He's headed to the house of Jairus. And so as Jairus and Jesus are walking, people are all around them. The press is there, but Jesus is still making his way through all of the people. And then this woman touches his garment. And what happens? Verse 43 tells us that Jesus stops. And he turns. He says, hey, who touched me? Now, we like to read this story, Brother Troy. We like to read it quickly. You know, Jesus is walking through this group and she touches him of his garment. Who touched me? No one touched you. Well, who touched me? No one touched you. And Peter, well, God, everybody's around you. What do you think? You're going, you know, we're, we're a lot of people being pressed. No, no, someone touched me. Who touched me? And the woman says, oh, it was me. And he says, okay, be healed. And, you know, we kind of play this out in our mind that it was like this quick two, five minute conversation. Just, no, that's not what took place. I mean, they're traveling by foot. They're walking. They come and, she touches the hem of his garment. I can imagine Jesus stopping. And of course, he knows. He knew who touched her or who touched him. He, he's he's going to use this to teach and to help her with her faith. And I believe use it to help grow Jairus as well. And he looks around. And I imagine him maybe looking right at her. Maybe passing right by her. Now, there, the Bible says there's a multitude there. Well, how many is a multitude? Oh, yeah, a lot. It doesn't say like there's a dozen. You know, well, a multitude's a baker's dozen. Even a baker's dozen. That's 13 people. We already know the disciples are there. All right, so that's 12. We already know there's been followers that have been listening to him. And if you go to the, uh, the Mount of Beatitudes, when he spoke there, the Bible says there was multitudes gathered by the hillside there. So I venture to say that in this multitude, there's probably at least 100 people walking through the streets of Capernaum. 
And so Jesus turns and says, hey, who touched me? Well, you give it about 10, 15 seconds. No one answers. Seriously, who, who touched me? Lord, there's all these people around. You're going to ask who touched you? We're pressed. There's a lot of people touching you. There's a lot of people pushing all of us. No, no, no. Virtue went out from me. I know somebody touched me. And the Bible gives the implication that it took a few moments. That's not a few seconds. That's probably a few minutes of that woman. Maybe by now, she's kind of sunkered back a little bit. Sunkered. That's a good word. You like it? it yeah, it's, it's in the Greek. That's horrible. Oh, sorry. Now I can't even think of a right word. No, hunkered isn't good for my mind. Anyway, she blended in. We'll just do that. I like sunkered. I'm making up another word in a minute, I'll tell you. Anyway, uh, she, she kind of comes back and she blends into the crowd and now she's there and Jesus is pushing the issue. In our passage, he only asks it once or twice, but we, we know that he's pushing the issue because after a few moments, she's kind of feeling guilty. She's kind of like, oh, I gotta say something. And so now that she's sunkered back, <laughs> she slithers back forward. I don't know. She sinkers back forward. She comes up and she, she basically just says, well, it, it was me. It was me and here's why. I've been dealing with this issue. And, and she pours out her heart. And she gives Jesus all of this. Okay, remember, where were they traveling? To the house of Jairus. So who's standing there this whole time? Jairus. The Bible says that Jesus is speaking to her. And as Jesus is speaking to her, a servant comes from the house. The servant comes from the house. And I can imagine that, that time, that servant loving his master, loving Jairus, and comes probably with tears in his eyes, Danny, and he says, Jairus, don't trouble the master. She died. Now, I have a 12-year-old daughter sitting up here by my parents. And I can't help but put myself in the place of Jairus. And what was he experiencing in that moment? Some of you have lost children. Probably the worst news a, parents could ever, a parent could ever receive, the death of a child. And I imagine Jairus there. And can, you, can you feel his pain, his heartache? Can you sense it? You know, it just, really? And I put my mind in the mind of Jairus, and you know what I think? It's her fault. That's what I think. If she, if she wouldn't have stopped us, and we've been standing here for 15 minutes, Capernaum's not that big. I could have been to my house and back. Why didn't you wait? He has this idea of how everything's going to work out. And yet in that moment, the ruler comes and Luke 8, 49, there cometh one that says, thy daughter is dead. Trouble not the master. 
But in that moment, you know what Jairus was still doing? He was still watching the faith of that woman be made sight. Right? That's what happened. Jairus watches her faith uh, that it's made sight. He watches as her faith is made sight and his is not. And no doubt he was struggling with this situation. I, I believe Jairus is struggling. He doesn't see the big picture. He's, he's believing. Listen, my, I had in my mind that if I just walked and if I went and asked him that he was just going to walk with me back to the house and he's going to lay his hand on her head and she would be raised. And I, oh, why? And I see Jairus getting a little bit of frustration. And I see him thinking what you and I often think. Why doesn't God do for them for me? Why can't he do for me what he's done for them? It's a better way of saying it, sorry. Sunkered, hey, I'm just off on the... That's what we think. We, we go through a situation sometimes and there's something that interrupts our faith. We have in our mind how we think everything's gonna play out and, and, and we may look at, at somebody else's situation and we think, why can't God do that for me? God, why do you do it for them and you don't do it for me? God, why'd you heal them but not my loved one? God, why'd you financially help them but you didn't help me? You know what we're guilty of? We're guilty of looking at a situation and it seems to us that God is working for someone else and he has not worked for us. You ever been there? I think we all have. You've been saved for more than a year. You've been there. God, why can't you do for me what you've done in their life? And we face a little bit of bitterness, maybe a little jealousy. Jairus had this idea. We see an interruption coming along. I want you to notice thirdly and quickly this morning, an invitation. In our passage, I believe that Jesus knew about some doubt going on in Jairus' life. And here's why I believe that. Because when you look at verse number 50, all of this is taking place. It says, when Jesus heard it, he answered him. He answers Jairus. Jairus had not been speaking. The, the passage, it, it, Jairus, according to Luke's account, Jairus would, did not say anything. The servant had been speaking. And yet Jesus replies to Jairus. Do you know why? Because Jesus knows the thoughts of your heart. He probably knew the doubt in Jairus' heart. And you know what he says? Hey, fear not. Hey, Jairus, don't be afraid. Believe only and she shall be made whole. That phrase, believe only, it means continue believing. That's what it means. Continue believing. Hey, Jairus, you came to me in faith. Don't be afraid. Continue believing. Jairus, listen, I know you just saw me work in her life. Hey, faith brought you to me. Don't let fear blind you from me. Jairus, faith brought you to ask me for help. Don't let fear blind you from what I am doing. And you see what happens in your life and in my life, oftentimes we, we come to a situation where uh, we're jealous of maybe God working in someone else's life and, and we see what he's done for them and we begin to slip back and we begin to think he can't work in my life like he did them. And we let fear cloud faith that has already brought us to the Lord. And 
I see, he, I see Jairus facing this, and the Lord gives him an invitation. What's the invitation? Hey, Jairus, continue in faith. Hey, you came to me believing, just keep believing. Well, what do they do? They travel to the house. When they get to the house, the Bible tells us that there's a, a group of people waiting. It says, all wept and bewailed him. Um, Mark tells us in the book of Mark that this group was, uh, it says the word, um, I forget what it says in Mark. Anyway, it tells us basically there's a group of bewailers or lamenters. Here's what would happen. It was tradition that when someone died in the family, people were already on notice. And if you were rich, the family would pay for someone to come and bewail their loved one in front of the house. They would make a big commotion of it so everyone would know. And so if someone died in someone's family, you would go out and you would pay people and they would come and stand on your lawn and they would go, oh, Oh, we lost, uh, and they'd make a big scene. That's, that's the tumult. That's what the word is in, in Mark. There's a tumult of people. There's a bunch of people, a gathering there. I'm glad we don't do that anymore. That's just kind of weird. Anyway, I mean, could you imagine driving down the road and just walk, driving past someone's house and seeing like 50 people in the yard just screaming? I mean, I've seen that, but they weren't crying. They were like fighting, you know. But here, that's what happens. They're there. That was pretty funny, huh, Lena? You like that? They get there and, and, uh, and they're, they're just bewailing and they're screaming and they're crying and doing all of this. And when Jesus gets there, Jesus says to them, hey, don't weep. What are the, what are the wailers doing here? They're, they're, they need to go away. She's not dead. She's asleep. And you know what it says? They laughed him to scorn. That doesn't mean they were like <laughs> snickering. It means that they were mocking Ha! Are you serious? Are you, are you kidding? Man, this guy doesn't know anything. And they're calling him names and they're mocking. Man, you're supposed to be some rabbi, some teacher. She's dead. We, we, we already know. The doctor's already decreed it. She's been dead for a while now since you got. What are you thinking? They begin to mock him and laugh at him and make fun of him. All the while, you know what Jairus is doing? I believe in the passage, I believe that Jairus said, all right, I'll trust him. That's what I think. Because the girl in the end is healed. And that was the promise that Jesus had made. Continue believing and watch me work. And so I believe Jairus all the while, he's, he's just trusting. But... In this moment where Jesus invites Jairus to just keep trusting, I want to encourage you and remind you that just as Jesus invited Jairus to continue to trust through interruption, there are times in your life when we are called upon to just trust through interruptions. I'm going to read you some thoughts that I have. We all have situations when we wonder where the Lord, where the Lord is, and we wonder if he is ever even going to work on our behalf. We take a step of faith and, and we look at a situation and we wonder, where's God at and why won't he work in my life? And we often, like Jairus, we let fear keep us from trusting him. And in those times, that fear and that jealousy it causes us to be asked by the Lord, will you keep trusting me? 
And it's in those times the Lord comes along and he just encourages us. Hey, this may not be the way you think thought, you, you thought things would play out, but will you still trust me? I heard a quote this week that was really challenging to me and it went something like this. It just said, do not let fear blind you from where faith has brought you. And I used a thought like it a second ago. You know what? The devil would love for you and I to get our focus off of what God is doing in our life and onto what he is doing in someone else's life. And he'd love to use that to discourage you from having a strong faith in the plan and in the timing of God. And so I want to tell you this morning that when you find yourself struggling with faith because of what God has done or is doing in the life of someone else, see the invitation of the Lord, hey, come back to the place of trusting me. Faith brought you to the Lord. Don't let fear blind you from what he's doing. But here's what happens. We often view God's work through the lens of what seems to be taking place. This is a phrase I made up and I told Robert to pull it out of the slides because he said it's not a proper sentence. (laughs) But it is to me. Micah, close your ears. I'll give you this real quick. Seeming is my vision, but supernatural is his vision. We often look at what seems to be happening, but we don't see the big picture. We often look at what faith is, what what, what was happening and working in my life and what's taking place in my heart, but we don't look at the big picture. We don't take time. We don't see what God sees. And if things go the way I think they should, or if things don't go the way I think they should, we are still invited to continue trusting God. I see, lastly, this morning an intervention. We won't go long on this, just a simple thought. You know what happens in the end? Jesus shows up, and the girl's healed. Man, Christ shows up, and the girl's healed. And the Bible says that Jesus healed her, and Jairus and Peter and James and John and the mother, they witnessed Jesus' work. And you know what's interesting to me? Is at the end, by the end of this story, and, and I want you to see it this morning, by the end of the story, Jairus witnesses Christ work a greater miracle than he could imagine and a greater miracle than what he'd originally asked. You see, when he came, right, when Jairus came to the gym, he said, just heal her. I believe you can heal her. Well, now she's dead. Now the girl's dead. And yet Jesus walks in and takes her by the hand and she is brought back to life. Lazarus wasn't the only person Jesus brought back to life. There's a few occasions in scripture and this little girl's one of them. And you know what I see? I see Jairus at the end of this going, wow. I didn't ask him to raise her from the dead. She wasn't dead when I came to him. And yet Jairus got to see God and Christ work in a greater way than what he'd originally asked. Jairus' original request was just healer. Mark says that he just simply said, uh, my little daughter lies at the point of death. I pray thee come and lay thy hands on her that she may be healed and shall live. And yet... She died and God worked anyway.
I want us to recognize this verse this morning, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. It says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And can I just tell you that God thinks outside of your thinking. He sees the whole picture. And you know what? God knows when the answer to your prayer is best. And he, he works in such a way that when we step back and say, well, that was only something God could do. That's what God wants. What does he do? He just simply asks us to trust him. And he may not work the way you think he should. But his ideas are not your ideas. But you and I can fall back to the truth that he will always intervene. He will always work and accomplish his plan. And he'll do it his way. And how he does it will be greater for us in the long run. We're just called to simply trust. Here's the problem. We live in an instant culture. We want Christ to work on our terms. Our whole culture is built on gratification now. Growing up, I remember my dad and preachers preaching, you know what people want nowadays? Well, my dad really wasn't a screamer, but you know what people really want nowadays? They want microwavable Christianity. Microwaves were like the big thing, you know? Now, think about it. You know, 25, 30 years ago, microwaves and instant things were just coming. Now, we, we live in an instant culture. I mean, think about everything instant. We have instant media. You have instant news. On, on your phone, uh, if you have the, the stuff, you have instant movies and sports and entertainment and news and programs. And now they have instant meals and uh, there's instant pleasures and there's, uh, don't drink it, but instant coffee. <laughs> they shouldn't have invented that. It's disgusting. <laughs> but you know what? They have, they have instant everything and, and sad to say there's instant sin. You can, you can find anything, anywhere, anytime. That's, that's our culture, isn't it? Well, the sad thing is, is that's bled over into Christianity, and we think that God should work on my terms, but here's the fact that when, uh, uh, when we think this way, it does us a disservice when it comes to trusting God. And you see, we want God to work on our timetable, but what we forget is God's timing is always right and always perfect. And the thought I want to get out this morning is when you see God working in the life of someone else, don't get the mindset that God is not working in your life. Don't let the devil use it to uh, use someone else's blessing to discourage you from what God is doing in your heart and in your life because you and I, we cannot see the big picture. But we need to know that God is always doing behind the scenes what we cannot see. And we may see God come through for someone else and not us. Don't let that stop you from trusting God. Instead, hear the challenge that was given to Jairus. Hey, faith brought you to me. Continue there. And so I want to ask you this morning, will you determine that you'll trust God even when it seems like he's working in someone else's life and not your own? I close with a story and two questions. The story's funny because it happened to me this week. I was sitting at a coffee shop finishing my notes for this message. It's no secret, we all know this, that we're praying about property, our church is. 
And God's opened the door, and I'm looking forward to telling you about it next Sunday. We find out this week, and that next Sunday is when I'll tell you, and we'll vote as a church. And I mean, it's, it's an awesome thing. But it's gonna take some money. And we've been talking about that as a church family. Like, hey, we have, we have so much saved, and we're gonna need to raise, and you know, we're gonna need to raise about seventy-five to 80000 more dollars to, to purchase this property. It's incredible. I, I, you gotta be here next week. It's just, I wanna tell you now, but I just can't yet. But I'm sitting there at the coffee shop, and I'm typing on my notes, and I have my headphones in. Another pastor from another church in the community that I know, and I know him well, and I love, he's a good guy, we're, we're friends. He comes in on a coffee date with his wife. And they sit down, and he says to her, hey, so-and-so told me that somebody approached him about buying that piece of property our church is trying to sell. Now, this is not us, not affiliated at all. Totally different situation. But he tells his wife, listen, if we sell that piece of property, we're gonna, the church is going to have the money right away to build the next phase that we've been wanting to do. They're having this conversation. I'm typing my notes. I'm hearing God's going to provide the money for them to do the next phase that they want to do. And I look at my notes, and you know what's staring me in the face? Don't be jealous when God's working in the life of someone else, and it doesn't seem like he's working in you. I'm not even exaggerating. I had your response. I'm like, <laughs> people probably thought I was crazy. My head fell listening to a comedian or something. I'm like, <laughs> this is crazy. And I text Hannah right away. I'm like, honey. And she knew what I was preaching on. I told her the story. And she's like, you have to tell that on Sunday. <laughs> I'm like, I know. But then it just shows that I struggle with the same thing. We all do. We all struggle with looking in the life of someone else and saying, God, do for me what you did for them. But you know what God says? It's my timing. You just keep trusting Hey, you just keep walking with me. Hey, faith brought you to me. Don't let fear take you from me. Listen, I don't know what faith step God's brought in your life. I don't know. But I do know every single one of us is challenged in one area of our faith or another. Can I tell you, don't let jealousy or fear blind you from just continuing in faith. This was a helpful thought to me this week, and I hope it'll be an encouragement to you. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.